following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Got the Bucks hat on, got the Bucks shirt on. Are you in pregame mode already? Are you fired up for this? Oh, yeah. Really stoked? For, what, two and a half hours as we record this away from yep. tip-off? We so are, we are purposely going early so that Dan can park in front of the television and watch the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Is this where you thought they would be when they started the playoff journey however many weeks ago. No. No, I did not think they would beat the Nets. Not at all. And and you know, I don't nobody did because um when the playoffs began, Harden and Kyrie were for all intents and purposes healthy. So no, it's it's a pleasant surprise to be here. We will get into that in this edition of the Intentional Fall. We'll lead off with it because that's probably the biggest thing going on. In fact, we have a full page of notes on Bucks and NBA basketball. We'll uh, touch on the Brewers, who are I think are in the late stages of uh, the game as we speak out in Arizona to wrap up uh, that series with the Diamondbacks. We'll hit on the NFL and then this really uh, bad... Uh, story that's coming out of Wisconsin and the uh, recording and the audio that was released and sent to the state journal on this meeting that took place in uh, mid to late February with all the seniors, some assistant coaches, Greg Gard, and now that it's all public, people are, are going crazy about it. So we'll we'll talk about that as well. We'll see how much time we get out of this. Um, but uh, thank you for uh, landing here to listen to The Intentional Foul. Um, we'll start with, uh, yeah, Bucks and the Nets game seven, Saturday night. Wife and I went down to that grand opening of the wine bar. We got some other drinks. We didn't, we weren't in front of a TV, but I was checking my phone on the way home to get the kids and I knew it was so tight. I had on, we were outside all talking at my parents and I had on YouTube TV on my phone. I was watching the end of it and all of a sudden I just screamed when Durant made that two-pointer to tie, and I went like, well, okay, that's that's that then. Oh, actually, I may have screamed when Brooke Lopez forgot how much time was on the shot clock because <laughs> I was texting you at the same time going, what the hell is going on? It was a wild game. Is that exhausting as a fan, as it invested was. as it, you it, are? It was as, it was as exhausting a game. I mean, it, it was similar to game five in in – terms of like the intensity level of the I mean you can you can tell you can tell in that series like those dudes were going at it and neither team was playing many guys so it was the same six or so guys on each team playing 40 to 48 minutes so like Durant played what in game six did he play all and then did Giannis in the last game play all or something like that. Well, Durant in Game Six played like about forty-two or forty-three because okay. they pulled their starters because they oh, they weren't okay. coming back. Well, it was one of the games then. Late. Game five, Game Five, he played all forty-eight, yes, okay. and Game Seven, I think he played fifty-three because of it was overtime. overtime. Yeah, but yeah, it was uh, it was a wild game. It was you know, 
it was one of those games where I think the Bucks' biggest lead was five, and the Nets' biggest lead was like seven. So it was it was close. Both teams were within striking distance the whole game. Um, you know, I've, I felt pretty good at halftime because I thought the Bucks had played really poorly offensively. I mean, Holiday again was a disaster on offense. Yeah, and you know, and Middleton wasn't very good either. I think uh, you know it was probably his worst game since Game Two when he, you know, the first two games Middleton couldn't make anything. So um, I felt pretty good. I thought you know they they hit some shots. They keep it you know in a Game Seven on the road. You, you just kind of want to have a chance to win in the last two minutes. That's just kind of your hope. Um, and then as the fourth quarter went along. It increasingly started to not look good. There was a play. I think it was. I think the Bucks were down two. They got a steal, and Middleton had it in the middle of the floor, and he got it poked away from behind. It went right to Harden. He threw it down to Durant, who dunked it, and Connaughton followed him on the dunk. I think there was like four and a half minutes left, and they go down five, and I was like, "This, it, that's it." It was such a momentum play. The crowd was going crazy, um, but. You know, to the Bucks' credit, they fought, man. And and Drew Holiday, who was, I think he shot 35% from the floor in that series. He was miserable with his jumper for, the like, the last five games. He hit three monster shots in, in a row in the fourth quarter. He hit two threes and a, and a little jumper on the baseline that saved the season, really. Um, if he doesn't make those shots... Because Giannis was gassed. I mean, he was hands on knees. They had to take him out at one point late in the fourth quarter for for a brief spell, you know, just 30 seconds or something to kind of give him a blow. Middleton was gassed. Durant was gassed. Um, but the Bucks found a way, man. And, you know, Giannis, to his credit, he had some big baskets late. He had that jump hook in the lane in overtime over Durant. Um, you know, he, he airballs two free throws. But then again, you know the the counting from the fans, right? Yeah, because that's it, now a thing. It actually helped helps Giannis. Yeah. It got him into a rhythm because every time they got to twelve is when he was shooting it. So it was almost like he knew he was a couple seconds behind their count, and then he would get his shot off. I think he made like seven or eight in a row at one point in the middle of the game, um, and then hit enough in the fourth quarter to. To keep you honest, but, um, you know, and then Middleton with the step back uh, game winner, essentially, in the lane there, you know, um, Pat Connaughton played a nice, solid game. I think he had nine off the bench. Um, Lopez was really good. He had just, he had the worst play of the season, which was partly his fault, but partly not his fault. There was no way he was supposed to get the ball in the corner there. I was just going to say, how do you put him in that position well, on, on the inbound? They, they ran a little action to try to get Giannis going to the hoop because they've had success on out-of-bounds unders with throwing that lob, and he's, he dunks it. But Blake Griffin grabbed him, and they didn't call it. Middleton was covered, so Lopez was really the safety outlet, but he caught it, and he buried buried in the corner, and he's got Durant on him. and. What he should have done is just heave it at the hoop right? and hope that you hit the rim and you knock and the, another second and a half off the, the clock. The clock can at least keep rolling. But he didn't. I think he 
I think he didn't want to turn it over. So he just kind of hung on to it. But I also think he just had a complete brain cramp and forgot that there was two seconds yeah, left on and the then shot he, clock. He lobbed it, was it, to Middleton, to Middleton. who was covered. Who, and Middleton's going he, wild. Like, why are you throwing it to me? Shoot right. it. We're going backwards, like, towards midcourt. Yeah. And like, and like the shot clock. But then he had an unbelievable block in overtime on a Durant drive that really probably saved the game because at the time – uh, the Nets were up two. The Bucks had not scored. The Bucks didn't score a basket like the last two minutes of regulation in the first like three and a half minutes of overtime. They went like five plus minutes. Didn't make a basket at the end of the game and still won. Um, but Kevin Durant, man, like, what were you thinking on that last possession when the Bucks were up two in regulation? Yes. Um. Well. You, I mean, everybody in the building knew that he was going he was to shoot get the ball, right? But you know, you you were I I didn't want to allow him to shoot a three. Obviously, like if you're gonna if you're gonna beat me, you're gonna beat me in overtime. I'm not going to allow you to just shoot a 35 footer uncontested um, and and beat us. But I mean, Tucker did everything he could possibly do. He was in his jersey. Seemed like good defense to me. Durant hits a turnaround fadeaway jumper. At the basically at the buzzer, yeah. um, I knew immediately it was a two because I was watching his feet. That's what I thought, and even on the little screen, I was like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think that was a three. And, and you know, he had black shoes on, and there's the bl- the black line. You you could tell pretty clearly. I thought That's, right away right. that it was a two. Um, I thought again, kind of like when they went up five with about four minutes ago, I thought, again, well, this is it. They're not going to win in overtime now. Like, you had your chance. You could have ran the clock out. You screwed up the end of the game here. You're done. Uh, but what we didn't know was Durant was done. He was he was shot. That, that was their – I think that's why they went for – they went for a three because they knew that they had nothing left. So Blake that, Griffin had fouled out. Harden was on one leg. So that was a mistake, you think, on his part of not knowing where he was on the floor, where his feet yeah, were? Yeah, I, I think he thought he was behind the line, and like he just said, my big-ass feet. You know, I think somebody said he's actually got a size 15 foot, but he wears 16 shoes when he plays basketball because they're more comfortable for him. Interesting. So if okay. he's wearing a size 15, is he not on the line? You know, <laughs> who knows? Um, but it, it was it was one of the greatest shots I've ever seen, especially in that setting in Given that scenario. scenario. Yeah. Um, but you know the bucks the bucks came through. I I think that it saved Budenholzer's job. That was going to be my next question because you thought no matter no matter what happened with the series, even if it goes to seven or whatever, he's done. I think there's a scenario where if they completely collapsed against the Hawks where he could still get fired, but it would have to be a monumental collapse. Um, you know, they Rick Carlisle quit Dallas last week after 12 years, and there was already reports that if the Bucks lost to the Nets, they were going to fire Bud and hire Carlisle. I don't really believe that, but those were being it was being reported, so you knew that Budenholzer was definitely on the hot seat. Um, but, you know, for, for Giannis and for Middleton... I think that series was it was kind of like breaking through that that ceiling that glass ceiling if you will for those guys. I mean to to win that series you you start out down 2-0 
you have to go on the road and win a game seven, and you're going up against the best player in the league who is absolutely on scorching fire during this series. To win that game, you could almost see, like in Giannis's, I watched his post-game interview on TNT, and then I watched his press conference. You could almost see, like, a physical weight that was lifted off of him to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, second time in two years. They hadn't been there in 18 years, and now it's their second time in two years. I think that they're going to play a lot more free and loose this series than last series. Um, I, I just, you could tell those first two games in Brooklyn, especially the second one when they got blown out, like, I don't think they thought they could beat Brooklyn. Um, you know, as weird as it is to say, PJ Tucker getting in Durant's face in game three when those two were nose to nose at one point, I think that kind of turned the tide a little bit with, with the Bucks, where it was kind of like, all right, you might beat us, but we're going to fight your ass every second of the game. You ain't letting you walk over us. In the last two years, I'm not sure they had that in them. When okay. the chips were down with the Bucks, they they were they folded up tent a little too easy. I felt this one where even in game seven, it was like if they're going to lose, Giannis is going to. Giannis had 40. He was going to the hoop. He didn't give a shit if he was getting fouled. Even as bad as Holiday shot, he kept shooting. It was just kind of one of those feelings where it was like, if you beat us, you beat us. And, you know, I think that going forward for the Bucks, I don't know if they're going to win the title or not. I do think they're going to win this series. But I just think you're going to see a Bucks team that is a lot more recognizable to people that have watched them throughout the year than what we saw the last seven games. Okay, so now how about their opponent? Because the, the Hawks with an upset, you've got two Game 7 road wins. Um, and I, I didn't follow the Atlanta series as close with Philly as, as, as the Bucks did, but I know that every home team had won through six games for Milwaukee and Brooklyn up until game seven. It, was that the case with Atlanta and Philly? I think they, no. did they split? Yeah, they were split at each other. I other's? think they split the first four games. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. But then you got a game seven road win by the Hawks. Uh, but you thought that they could beat Philly regardless, even if the Sixers won? And, and, the, and the Bucks, and, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, Philly's got a lot of problems. I mean, Embiid's hurt, as, but he's always hurt. Ben Simmons, I mean, you want to talk about a prisoner in his own head. I mean, that dude offensively, he took three shots in the entire series in the fourth quarter. Three. Um, he can't make a free throw. He shot like 30% from the free throw line. So, um, and Doc Rivers, you know, it's one of those things. It's 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 a little McCarthy-like. <laughs> Doc Rivers wins a title in 08 with Boston when he's got Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Rondo. And then they got a bunch of really good um, ancillary players. Since then, every single team he's coached has underachieved. He's not. He has not gotten. I don't think he's got out of the second round in like twelve years. Wow. Um, you know all, all those Clipper teams he had with Blake and Chris Paul and DeAndre. They could never get out of the second round. They choked last year in the bubble when they got beat with Kawhi and Paul George. This is a choke for Philly. Um, it's a nice story for Atlanta, uh, but 
they beat a pretty crappy Knicks team that had no no guards, um, and their best guy was Julius Randle, who, while he had a really nice year, it was a career year. Um, and then they beat this Philly team that, again, really doesn't have any guards, and that's kind of why Trey Young's gone bananas in these two series. Um, I... I like the Bucks in five. I I guess six games. I would say okay. against Atlanta. Um, I think tonight game one is mammoth for the Bucks. I think if they win tonight, I think it's a five game series. Helps that they've had a couple of days rest, and Atlanta just played a couple of days ago. Yeah, one day short rest. Yeah. Um, you know, but the Bucks are three and four in game ones under Bud. So they haven't fared particularly well. And Atlanta has played very well on the road in the playoffs. Yeah. Is there, I mean, is well, there any explanation for that? A or? little bit is a factor of who they played. Okay. Um, but, you know, the Bucks are 3-3 three and three on the road in the playoffs. So that, that's not bad either. Um, you know, keys to the series, you got to control Trey Young. Oh, uh, he's... I mean, you know, uh, they're going to put a holiday on him mostly. That's what I was going to ask. Um the the drop defense of Brooke Lopez is going to be very interesting to watch because Trey Young's game is to get into the paint Float. and either shoot a floater or to throw a lob to Capella, their center. So how the Bucks play the pick the high pick and roll there is going to be something to watch. Um, I, but I think you know I think the Bucks have a lot of matchup advantages. They they have nobody. Atlanta has nobody to guard Giannis. Um, who are they going to put on him? Uh, maybe Capella, I would think, but uh, maybe John Collins, who's who's one of their bigger forwards. Um, they really don't have anybody to guard Middleton. Their two best perimeter defenders, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, are out. Uh, Hunter's out for the year. I think Reddish is out for the year. So, you know, you're talking about Gallinari or, or maybe a Bogdanovich being on Middleton. I, that's big advantage, Middleton. Um I think they're going to try to hide Trey Young on P.J. Tucker or Pat Connaughton whenever those guys are in, or Forbes. Because he can't play defense. Because he's not a defensive player. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bucks try to involve him, use whoever he is guarding as the screener on the pick and roll and force them to make a decision. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel good about this series. I feel good about where the Bucks are. Um, I think they're going to play much better. Then, like I said, then we saw it's going to be a much more normal series. You're going to see Bobby Portis. You're going to see Forbes. Um, you know, it just got to the point where in the last series you couldn't play those guys because inevitably the Nets were just going to just going to screen until they got one of those guys on Durant, and it's just no contest. I mean, Bryn Forbes has given up a foot. There's no he's got no shot. Uh, but in this series. Those guys can be a factor, you know. I look for the Bucks to try to use Forbes the way they did with against the Heat. Um, use him really as a as kind of a microwave guy off the bench and try to get him going and knock in some threes. And then when he does that, the floor is just spread wide open. So I don't know. Um, like I said, I think I'm going to conservatively say six. I think if the Bucks win tonight, I think it's a five game series. So okay. Wow! Yeah, take care of business quick. And Phoenix is already up two nothing. Phoenix is up two nothing. Um, that was a fucking refereeing disaster. The last four minutes, I think they said the last four minutes took thirty eight real time minutes. Oh my god! Because they had so many reviews, um, it's just Ugh. ugly. Um, you know, no Chris Paul for the Suns the first two games. No Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers the first two games. 
Um, you know, Paul George had a really nice game, but then he's an 89% free throw shooter in the playoffs. He goes to the line with 10 seconds left and blows both of them. And, and then they lose by one at the buzzer. So, you know, you got to do the basic stuff. But um, what? two more things to hit with hoops. Okay. Uh, Middleton and Holiday have yep. been, they announced they are going to be on the Olympic team. That's cool. Which is cool. Yep. Cool they, to have a couple bucks on there. They got one spot left. I read some big names have already turned them down. Um, I think Curry and, and a couple other guys. But, I, I mean, is it even a question every every four years? Or? Well, yeah, it's a question. It, well, and it depends on who plays for the other nations. Right. You know, I'm not sure about, like, even, I mean, Greece isn't a threat to win a gold medal. Because it's, it's just him. I'm not sure if he's playing. I'm not even sure they qualified. Um, Giannis isn't a great international player because you can play so many weird defenses. Um, in his inability to shoot from the perimeter, he's not—he's not the player in the European game as he is in the American game. I'll okay. just say that. But did you happen to see or hear those the comments from the people on first take yesterday about Milwaukee? I read some stuff, and I—I I saw my pals over at ESPN Milwaukee they talk were, about. They, they were hot. Doug Russell was yes, very upset, yes. very offended. Well, I, I mean. Of course, everybody that is in around and has been in and worked in around sports in Milwaukee is going to be offended. Well, if and if you didn't hear it, it was it was Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, Damian Woody, and that Molly chick, the moderator. And Damian Woody made a comment about the the four remaining or the 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 probable finals destinations, three of them being Atlanta, Milwaukee, or Phoenix, but mostly referring to Milwaukee and Phoenix. And Stephen A. Smith, which has kind of been a running shtick with him over the years, but it's also, you know it's true, he basically wants Miami and L.A. to be in the finals every year because he likes those two cities the best. Um, but while they're having this discussion, that Molly woman says, the only Super Bowl I didn't attend was when it was in Minneapolis, and I really hope I don't have to go to Milwaukee. She goes, there's nothing but terrible cities left. Wow. And Max Kellerman goes, terrible cities. He goes, you don't mean that. Because he, you could tell you could tell Kellerman was kind of like, why would you say that? Right. I, I didn't know if he was setting her up to, like, yeah, why don't you keep going and sink yourself But the here? funny thing is, is this Molly chick is married to Jalen Rose, and Jalen Rose is from Detroit, which is, I mean, that, that's... you want to talk about armpit of America, <laughs> welcome to Detroit. I mean, look. People that don't like Milwaukee typical or or rip on Milwaukee and Wisconsin is because they've never been here, right. and they've certainly never been here during the the summer months. I mean, I'm not I'm not somebody who's going to say let's go to Milwaukee, but think of all the things that you have there, in like Summerfest and the State Fair. I mean, it's it's like it's a destination for people to go. You have the Bucks and the Brewers. There, I mean, it's I, I like I, what do you what is missing? Like, are, are there just not enough strip clubs there for you, Stephen A? Like, there's, I don't get it. Like, what what do you what do you need for that to be enjoyable <laughs> for you? I don't get it. I mean, you've got lakefront scenery, you've got a uh, uh, great food, and, yep, and a fantastic you, downtown area. You've got a major league baseball team right. in the city that you could go to. You've got a brand new NBA arena. The you know the the downtown district is phenomenal. Like I said, the lakefront. You've got a, a, a giant music outdoor music venue mm-hmm. and. Out there, I mean, if you want a car racer, you've got an Olympic training center that's right next to the state fairgrounds. It's like, 
What are you looking for exactly that Milwaukee doesn't have? Well, it's been funny to see the reaction because there's been like a, I think like a, a city alderman came out and wrote something and directed it at first take, and I know Peter Fagan, the Bucks president, saw that came out and yep. said something about it. There's been some people on on Twitter, of course, trying to organize. You know, don't don't allow first take here. Don't give them a media credential here if they want to come. A lot of people are like, look, let them come. Let's just go there and boo so goddamn loud that they can't even do their show. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it's funny, but, you know, I'm not offended by it because it's, you know, we're, we're 40. It's something right. we've always grown up with. I mean, you watch ESPN. When's the last time they talked about the Packers that wasn't negative? When's the last time they've ever talked about the Brewers? See, what, do they ever talk about Badger football no. or Badger basketball nope. or Marquette? Ba- no, no, they don't give a shit. We're flyover states See, here. that's why I don't pay any attention to what any of these clowns say on no. the show because because most of it is just for a reaction, and most of the time it's completely uninformed. It's they don't know anything about Milwaukee no. to make an informed judgment about that city. If you were here in 2001... And you went to the Bradley Center, and it was the way it was in 2001. Okay, I get it. That was 20 years ago, man. A lot of things have changed. Right. So no, no, I, I don't pay I don't pay attention to that. Um. Oh, and the uh, the draft lottery. I saw that. Uh, yeah, speaking of armpits, <laughs> Detroit. Detroit got the first pick, and then I think it's the Rockets, yeah. and then the Cavs. Detroit, then... Houston, Cavs. Um, and then after that, I can't really remember. Me neither, but I mean, Orlando and the Warriors have two lottery picks apiece. Well, the Warriors got Minnesota's pick. And Orlando got the Bulls pick. Yeah, that what a disastrous trade right? that was for the Bulls. That's what I was thinking as soon as I read, like, oh, that's yeah, the Bulls that's, pick. That's the Vucevic trade. Yes. They trade for Vooch thinking they're going to make a playoff run. They totally crater, and then Orlando gets their, I, you know, I think it's like the 12th pick or 11th pick or something, but still, um That'd be that'd be nice for the Bulls to have in their pocket. Well, absolutely. After so. what they're trying to rebuild with a new coach and new management mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, enjoy the game. I will. And, and you are going. I'm going on Friday to game two. That's awesome. Um, that'll probably be my only game of this series. Mm-hmm. I, I got to save up some cash for the finals. The finals if they make the finals. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's that's awesome. Good for you. I mean, first time they would get there if they can win this series since '74. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know it's the what second full second or third full season in the five serve and you third, and, third yeah and you'd be hosting an NBA finals yeah. already should have had one two years well, ago the first year but yeah. um but yeah. that's but that's pretty cool yeah all right um let's switch to baseball uh, Brewers somehow are still in first place uh, with the Cubs I haven't looked up the score yet they were winning when I got here against the Diamondbacks but Chicago has not been playing very well. And it's so weird with that Rocky series. Like, I checked the standings and looked at some of the numbers, and it doesn't seem to matter how good or bad the Rockies are. That's one of those teams that the Brewers always have problems with. Always. Mm -hmm. Inexplicably. Doesn't matter. They don't play well there. They don't play well against them at home. There's just problems. It's it's just unexplainable. Yeah, well, it's kind of like... It's kind of like... It's almost like playing on a weird golf course. There's certain things you just can't do at Coors Field that, you know, you might do the whole season, but the Rockies are built to play there. You know what I mean? Because right. yes. Schroeder was even talking about it the other night. Like, the big overhand curveballs, they just don't work in Colorado because they don't move. They right. ha- they hang there, yep. and then you people just hit bombs. Yes. So they're very sinker ball, change-up oriented. So, you know, I, 
I'm not going to get too analytically deep on that with the Brewer pitching staff, but that that could be a factor. Um, you know, the Brewer lineup is still inconsistent at best. I mean, you just really never know what the hell you're going to get out of them. Um, I mean, if not for a late home run up from Willie Adamas in one of their two wins against the Rockies, and then they came back in the other one as well, they could have got swept against a pretty right. sh- against a pretty shitty Rocky team. And then you go to the first game against Arizona, and they just absolutely shut you down. Um, so yeah, it, it not a great road trip. I based on the score here, they're up three to one in the eighth. Okay. they're, they're going to come out of it four and three, which isn't terrible, but. You know, you go to Colorado and Arizona, you'd like to maybe go five and two. Right. Um But you know, I always say if you if you can be five hundred or better on the road and take care of your business and win two thirds of your yeah, games at home, you're gonna make the playoffs. You, yes, that is a recipe for success. Yeah. Um so they've they they have got the Rockies lined up again for this weekend and then they got a Cubs series um next uh starting next week yeah but, and they've got they've got Burns Woodruff and Peralta lined up for the Cubs series so which is good because Woodruff pitched today and then mm-hmm. and then Burns will be on the mound uh Friday I, Friday I believe it is in, unless they skip uh, a turn with with Thursday off but um man the injuries I was reading today and I didn't see I didn't watch the game um last night because West Coast it's just it's just too hard for me but it's hard for me to fathom as a large human being, how a guy can exert so much effort like Daniel Vogelback, who is so slow and still able to significantly strain their hamstring. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be able to go fast enough. You wouldn't think so. To do that. But and he wasn't well, even looking pro- to score. He's probably like the most inflexible human on the planet, though. He's just a fire hider. And it's, he hasn't touched his toes since he was eight. <laughs> That's another good one. <laughs> Nah, man, I mean... I, but I feel bad because... And he's going to be out a while. He's going to be out a while. Those things, especially when you're a big dude, they do not heal fast for right. any good athlete. Right. I mean, it's... When, when when you use the word significant, that's never Well, and you're not... And, and not to pick on Vogelbach, we're not talking about Jackie Bradley here. No! This isn't like some world-class sprinter body. This is a fire hydrant with yes. legs. I mean... <laughs> but, no, and then Anderson, of course, gets hurt again. I mean, thankfully, this time it wasn't a blister. This yeah, time it's a knee say, thing. He's your king blister, dude. But, but again, Jesus. it's on the base path when you're trying to beat out a throw. It's always something with that dude. So two guys injured running on the base paths. You've got, you, I mean, they've used 49 players already. In I see, 74 games. Think about that. 49 players they've used in 74 games. Tyrone Taylor's coming back. They Like, the, the flurry of transactions that... I was reading about in their game on Monday, and even the announcers were were making light of it. I think it was um, LePay and, uh, and and Schroeder when I was listening to the game. He goes, he goes, if you need uh, a long list of the moves that the Brewers made today, go ahead and go over to the website because it would take me too long to read everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to call up. They're going to call up Hira now, I guess, because he's been hitting over four hundred down it. And I, so I, what? Don't care. See, and that's don't care. That's what Doesn't I matter. was thinking as soon as like okay, the, but that's getting, over he, there. That's not why he's getting called up. He's getting called up because they, they don't have him. they don't have a first base. Right. Shaw's hurt and Vogelbach's hurt. They got to have a first. And you, you can't have a steady diet of Jace Peterson over there. See, and that's what they talked about today in the in in the little bit of the broadcast that I watched it that he was a candidate to put over there, and and that's good. But he's again, he's not an everyday no. starter. No. But Keston Hira has proven that he can't be either. I mean, he's already been down to AAA twice this year. Well, and and the he raked down there the first time and came back and didn't matter. So. Right. I, 
whatever he did recently at AAA is kind of an irrelevant stat to me. But um, Yelich has got to get going. He's hitting 260. He's got four homers. He's got 19 RBIs. I mean, like Adrian Hauser's got almost four homers. <laughs> so Woodruff had a really nice opposite field hit into the gap today to drive in the first run. Yeah, it was really good. Like I'd be like if you play any interleague games again at American or at 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 American League parks, I'd almost consider putting him. If you're hurting for players, put him in to hit. Yeah, J- just go with them. I mean, the dude, the I dude can actually I, hit. I don't think that'll ever happen of because it won't. because of the Jimmy Nelson. Oh. Yeah, you, thing that happened. You, yeah, you don't want. You, you, that's hard we've to already, forget that. We've already proven we can't run the bases effectively but, without but getting hurt. Man, yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. They're not even quite halfway through the season yet. But man, you really just got to hope that Yelich has one of those one of those August September runs again. Because I just, you know, we talked about it last week. I just don't know how this team is going to be able to beat good pitching um, once you get. Right to the postseason. I mean, you can't be trotting out different lineups all the time based on who's hurt and who's not. And it's I don't. Did you? How about this? Okay, I know you don't have it on here. Have you? Oh no, you you do have one. I want to know. I think it was the A's. Mm-hmm. Was it Sergio Romo? Mm-hmm. You've got two guys that basically damn near take their pants off on the field because they get bothered by opposing coaches making sure that you're you don't have sticky stuff that's the term we're using sticky stuff on some sort of clothing item that you're now doctoring the ball with so scherzer was pissed the umpire can check you twice during the game okay just randomly see i I don't know all the ins and outs of this so that's kind of the new rule as you're coming off the mound after an inning they can stop you and check you twice. Anything after that has to be initiated by the opposing team. So with Romo, he was just being an ass because, like, and you could kind of tell the umpire was like, "Come on, man!" They like, immediately put their hands up, yeah, like, like, "Look, man, I don't want to do this either." Right? They're putting me in this position. Major League Baseball is telling me, as part of my duties as yes. an umpire, yep. now I have to do this. Um. The one that was really bad was the Phillies Nats game last night with Scherzer as you and, said. and and Girardi. And yeah. Girardi. Um you could tell Girardi was fucking playing games. Of course he was because he got thrown out after that. Yep. And the the Nationals coaches were were going at him. Oh, they yeah. were they were, they were kind of laughing at him. Um you know, the Nationals general manager came out and said, if you think you're going to intimidate or get in the head of Max Scherzer, you haven't been paying attention the last 10 years because <laughs> that dude don't get rattled that no. way. Um, if anything, you piss him off, and he actually pitches better. He's one of those rare dudes in baseball. Right. But um, I, I thought, le- I thought that was a really, really bad look for baseball last night. Um, well, this whole thing is, you know, you've, you 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 are trying to embarrass the pitcher, and you're trying to embarrass none of the three best pitchers in baseball. I mean, I don't know. It, and like Scherzer said, these are Manfred's rules. These are Rob Manfred's rules. You got you want to talk about it, go talk to him. You know? And Girardi's kind of hiding behind the, well, you know, I'm just trying to do what's best for my team. And it's like, yeah, but you got to think about the big picture here. That That's not a good luck. No, it's not. And, again, when you enact this kind of stuff, and we see it a lot out in, like, modern-day society where people say, well, we got to have something in place of this. Well, why? For the 
0.05% of times that something goes wrong, and now we're really concerned about it being rampant? Well, and like last night, basically you were accusing Scherzer of going into the dugout after his second time being checked and, and doing then it. putting the sticky stuff on where his hat, his shirt, his Hoping belt, that a coach wouldn't right. call him out for a third time. So that, that's pretty insulting right. if, if you're oh, Scherzer. Completely, and that's probably know. why he was pissed. Yeah. But it's like, how... How rampant is this stuff, and and are they have these violations been where this needs to be, you know? I mean, are we? I think using, it's been pretty rampant. Has it? Uh, yeah, I think more than half of the pitchers in baseball have been using it. Okay, so is it going to be something where we see this instituted now, and then you can point to this week or this date or whatever, and then see elevated? offensive numbers because pitchers aren't allowed to do what they're doing like I want to know down the road are we going to look back and see well now the offensive numbers are being inflated because pitchers aren't allowed to do what they've yeah, been doing I illegally know. I guess we'll find out I, I mean I kind of want to know exactly how how this will affect the game as a whole you know what I mean? I mean, are we going to see a significant bump? Well, we've already got one guy, one pitcher who got hurt and has to have Tommy John who blamed it on this. He said the reason why I got hurt is because I I had to grip the I had to grip the ball harder because I had nothing to grip it with because these guys are saying whatever the rosin is mm-hmm. is not working and it's not enough you know and I don't know I mean I don't know how slick these you know and they the thing is they take all these balls there was a the one of the Braves announcers gave a really good explanation of this the other day I saw on Twitter basically they take these baseballs and they rub them with mud. Okay. When they when they're brand new, and then they like put them in a bag, and then he said he goes, it doesn't even mean you may, they might not use that ball for three days. So by the time they use that ball, it's like dirt. It's just like dust on the ball, so it makes it slippery. Rear. And these, you know, it's it's always been like you know suntan lotion and rosin. It forms some kind of thing, and it's well, they're always going to find something, right? But for whatever reason, this sticky substance i think they were calling it spider tack or something like that um they've decided to crack down you know but insurers are last night he almost hit a guy in the head on with a 95 mile an hour fastball and he's like there you go couldn't grip it got away from me mm-hmm. now what so i don't know i don't know if that's real or if that's an excuse right we'll we'll see interesting yeah all right, uh, Brewers are off tomorrow, and then, as we said, they play the Rockies uh, this weekend at uh, AmFam. Um, just quickly touching just one NFL note before we get to the Badgers stuff, and Dan gets to go on a little bit of a rant here, um, which he's already told me that he is going to do. I've calmed down a little bit. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, was, I was really expecting... <laughs> Like guns blazing, we'll brother love esque type type oh, stuff. Back I don't know from if I can. I don't know if I can get that hyper circle. <laughs> excited. So are the Bears? I mean, is is one of my favorite summer venues being torn down in favor of a new football stadium? Sounds like that's what the people of Arlington are hoping for. Wow. Well, I mean, if you Arlington Racetrack is somewhere. I'm I'm guessing you've never been. No, I've been there multiple multiple dozens of times. Gramps, that's a, a that was a favorite fixture of his to go in the summer. I was going there as as a kid once, twice a summer, maybe three times. It's not earning any money. It's owned by Churchill Downs. They want to get gambling machines in there that's being held up by in the Illinois legislature for years now, preventing them from really raking in 
some serious money. They don't have huge races. They have the Arlington Million, but that's pretty much it. But uh, uh, And Churchill Downs, I think, would be glad to get it off of their books because it's probably costing them money. And now, apparently, the Bears have put in a bid to buy that whole acreage to put in a stadium and move out of downtown. And I remember when the Cubs talked about moving out to, what, Rosemont or something like that? Yeah, I think so. When when there was, like, an ownership change and they were kind of getting pushed back about all the stuff that they wanted to do at Wrigley. Um, and that worked itself out, obviously, and they made the they made the changes and they're staying, you know, in Wrigleyville and whatnot on the north side. But, um, I, I mean... I don't know much. I see it in the headlines, and I know that the the Bears are constantly at odds with the city about how the stadium is kept up, and it's it's a very weird situation. It's if you want to do it on a local level, my biggest comparison would be, well, the school district plays football at Monterey Stadium, but it's city owned, and there's a very weird relationship there about. Well, who's going to clean this? Who's going to do the field maintenance? Sure. Who's going to pick up the... Like, it's very weird, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that seems to be what's happening in Chicago with this, right? I think. Um, I did see that it was approved today. Oh, really? That, that uh, let me see, I'll pull it up here. Okay. It says Arlington Park approved for football stadium by officials. I believe that must be local officials. Yeah. And then it says Bears submitted bid to buy the site last week. Have you been to Soldier Field? Have you ever Twice. been there? Um, uh, three times. Saw okay. two XFL games. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, I've been there once. Uh, it's a terrible location. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, there's nowhere to park. Nope. You can't tailgate. It's nothing like. It's nothing like um, what I mean. Certainly nothing like Lambo, but it's nothing like what a lot of football stadiums now are. Even if you pull up at a cabin, you walk. It's very complicated to try and actually get there yeah um you know it's, i don't know it's one of those things like sentimentally you hate to see a move because i mean soldier fields it's i don't know how old it is but it's very old um i think it's it, the oldest stadium in the league it, but even though they be. didn't start playing there you know, full-time and, until the early 70s and they've remodeled it yeah they but, did some stuff like a like 10 or 15 years ago but you know it used to have turf now it's got that horrible grass field that's never really They've really never been able to use it to their advantage. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that if it was – look, I was talking to my dad about it. He's like, if they move to Arlington, he goes, it would be a hell of a lot easier to go to a Bear game and just hop on a train. And it takes you right there. Drops you off right at the back. You know, I mean, I've had a few opportunities to go to Bear games the last few years, and it's just kind of like, I don't want to deal with that. You got to go all the way down the furthest you can go to the lake. Yeah, I don't want to deal with all that BS. Like so. I, I've been to some, I've, I've been to the United Center some, and even getting there, and you're you're not even downtown yet. Right, that's murder. Right, that's that's tough. So yeah, I mean, look, everybody, pretty much other than the Packers, is going to have a new stadium at some point. The Packers are going to try to just keep refurbishing Lambeau because. It's it's kind of their Wrigley, you know. Um, pe- and, I've always said people people good or bad now for a long time the Packers are going to fill that place up. But it's also not a dump, and they no, it's not not at and, all. And they won't let it deteriorate. Right. They have the atrium. They built up the district. Like they're doing things to keep it modern. Yeah, 
you know. So, I don't know. I mean, if they move, I'm not going to pitch a fit about it. You know, I, I don't live down there. It's not going to affect me one way or the what other. What if they have to change the name since Arlington is technically not Chicago? And they, they've they've talked about this already. You will. They might not no longer be known as the Chicago Bears. Uh, that would shock me. That's what I thought. That would too. shock me. I, I would think like, there's okay, guys. I would think the copyright laws and and things that the league is involved in. The league owns. I'm sure has some stake in the name. I would find that hard to believe. That's what I would. I, as soon as I read that, I went mm, because I nobody know knows that. where Arlington is. No, I mean, I'm, how many suburbs of Chicago yeah. can can you identify? Well, maybe many, five or six. How many other teams play in a suburb? Right. You know, I mean, Detroit played in the Pontiac Silverdome. They weren't the Pontiac Lions. <laughs> so I, that doesn't make yeah. much sense. All right. So we'll see whether uh, that comes to fruition. Um, interesting that I, I I hadn't seen that 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 had been approved yet. I'm I'll, I'll be curious to see how quickly uh, that goes, or whether you know the city can try and keep them down there, or maybe they just say, "All right, fine, be gone. We don't need you." I don't know. All right, uh, let's go to Madison, one of your favorite places, and the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team has a portion of a two-hour meeting from mid to late February that was released to the State Journal, the audio of it, with Greg Gard, three assistant coaches, and seven seniors. And there were some pretty strong statements made by the players about how Gard is towards them, treats them, the relationship with them. I mean, it... it I don't know. It seemed more of em- the, the stuff that I read. I haven't listened to the audio. It seemed more emotional reactions than talking about actual strategy as a coach. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this meeting happened, I think, in February yes. in the, when the Badgers were kind of in the midst of their tailspin last year. Um, you know... <laughs> When I when I first read Polzine's article yesterday, my immediate reaction was, "What a bunch of pussies!" <laughs> like seriously, like what? Like you go to college to play basketball? Like, do you think you're gonna walk out of there with the coach as your new best friend? Like, I I was very very confused by that, um, because as you said, the 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 comments were not. Super basketball related. It was more the interpersonal relationship between guard and these and these kids. Um, and I say kids very loosely because half of the guys in there are like twenty four. Right. Um, they're closer to thirty right. than they are to eighteen. These are seniors. Yeah. These are they're men. These are fifth year seniors. Some of them are about to be a sixth year in Davison. Right. So these are these are these are young men. These are men. Um. But. You know, as I got to think about it, because my initial thought was one of the players released it. That was my initial thought. I thought, Jesus Christ, one of these candy asses, one of their mommies, you know, called the paper and released it. But come to find out, the speculation is... Right, there's nothing been confirmed. ...is that it was one of the assistant coaches that released it, and it is the assistant coach that is no longer on the Badger staff. Hmm. His name would be Alondo Tucker. That's the speculation. Yes. Um, Which that would line up. Yeah. I heard some things from somebody that's in the know that leads me to believe that he's not a super trustworthy guy and hasn't been 
in his two years of being the interim coach in Howard Moore's spot. Um, he had he reapplied for the job this year, and he didn't get it. It went to Sharif Chambliss, another former player. Um, that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back for him. Maybe um, if indeed it was him, we can't cast aspersions because we don't want to get sued. But here's the thing that bothers me even, uh, okay, that's troublesome on, on its own that he would do that. But you walk into the room with a recording device in hand well, or probably just use your phone or on your person yeah. and you hit record ahead of time saying, I want to make sure I get this. Yeah. Why? Well, because I think he there was some there was some animosity with guard. Okay, so you're you're trying this whole thing is about trying to get guard. Right, you're already you're already setting up to do damage to the program. It's almost like uh, it's premeditated. It's a a form of blackmail, really. Completely. I I, I mean, basically, you're getting this to put in your pocket for a later day. Like, when do I? pull this out, and ship it to the State Journal, right? which he already did, and that time came when he was not asked to come back. Well, and, and the interesting thing is, I don't believe... Allegedly. It's a, I don't believe it's a law in Wisconsin, but in many states, you cannot record somebody without, without their, their consent. Knowledge. Correct. So, um, I don't know if he was smart enough to know that, but I think that might have just been a lucky break for the recorder of this, but let's just get into a couple of the comments from the players. Okay. Um, Nate Reavers had said that he doesn't have a relationship with guard. Guard doesn't care about him, and he thinks it's too late in the game to change that. Um, well, based on other things I have seen written that Nate Reavers had, has said the last couple of years, he's soft. He's soft. He's he's a mentally soft kid, and don't talk to me about mental illness. Don't I don't don't even bring that shit to me. We're talking about a kid playing basketball. Um, he had made some kind of whinier comments about how difficult it is in COVID to not be able to play video games with his friends. So that kind of tells you right there, like, okay, you're you're kind of a candy ass. Well, I, I guess on the court he was a different player when, he was. when Potter started to assert himself. He was. And now he's the forgotten dude, and he didn't play well. And mm-hmm. and when there's not two bigs on so, the floor. So he's like, blaming guard. Right. Um, Aleem Ford, who really is only in Madison because um, he was a package deal with Trice, because Aleem Ford's barely a Division One basketball player, he made the comment, after I'm done here, I'm not sure I want to come back. This isn't home. Okay. Um, I don't know that I'd want my son to play here. Uh, Micah Potter had said, did I waste a year of my life coming back here for my senior year? Trice made the comment, we're not here to build your resume. He said this to guard. Um, and Trev Anderson it basically said, anytime things go bad, you point the finger at us. Well, um, to Aleem Ford, I don't care if you come back. To Trice, you may not be here to build my resume. I'm not here to build yours. My job as the coach of Wisconsin is for you to graduate and for us to win games and for the Board of Regents to renew my contract. That's that's my job. Um, to Micah Potter, did I waste a year of your my life coming back here? I, I don't know. I mean... You started all year. How you played was how you played. I mean, I guess that's your decision. Say so you wasted a year trying to get on the court with the NCAA. And then the Trev Anderson comment is maybe the most disturbing to me because Trev Anderson is a coach's kid. Trev Anderson in the Housers played for Anderson's dad at Stevens Point. 
Um, so for him to whine about a coach, basically, because when you say you're you're pointing the finger at us, um, I, I I go, what you mean, coaching? You mean I'm coaching you? You mean like when you have a shot clock violation, I critique that. If you have blow a defensive assignment, I critique that because as the coach, I'm not playing. Now, if this was a, a tactical conversation, as you had alluded to, where mm-hmm. we don't like the offense, right. we should press more, right. blah, 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 blah. That's a different situation. We're getting out-schemed, whatever yeah. you want to, yes. This came off as the as very whiny Very to me. much. Very whiny to me. And maybe maybe that's 40-year-old Dan that that is is looking at it that way. And look, you and I have talked about this on this podcast and certainly in the car going to games. I did not have a good relationship with my college head coach, especially my last year there. And you look at all these kids on here with the exception of Potter and Anderson. These guys have been there for five years. Okay. If you've ever worked in the same job for five years, if you've ever dated somebody for five years, you've ever been on a team with somebody for five years. That's a long time, man. And you're hearing the same voice, the same sayings, the same coach speak over and over and over. Yeah, it gets annoying. And then if you don't have a great relationship personally with the guy, now you don't really even want to be around each other. And I think there's a misconception a lot of times that when you're on a team, everybody's friends, because that's just not true. There's a misconception that because you go to play for a coach, that you like the coach or that the coach likes you because look as many kids go somewhere and they go there for a year and they don't like the coach and they transfer like the coach doesn't really have that option. He can't transfer and he really can't kick you off without cause. Right. Like once you're there, you're kind of there. Um, so, you know, maybe guard recruited Trice and he thought after, Two years of him, he thought, well, this kid's an asshole. This kid's a prima donna. This kid thinks, you know, this kid really believes he should be at Michigan State like his brother was, not at Wisconsin. Right. Um, It's interesting. Like, I don't know what this says about the culture up there. You know, is, is it the kind of kid you're recruiting that's the problem? Are you trying to be Bo Ryan? I mean, Tom Oates had tweeted something out that maybe Greg Gard's trying to be somebody he's not. I know Greg Gard. I had a lot of um, interaction with him when I was in high school because when he was at Platteville with Bo, they recruited me a lot. Greg Gard ran all of Bo's camps growing up that all of us Janesville kids went to. Um, Our friend Joe Robinson worked on that staff for a long time. He's never had anything bad to say about Greg Gard, at least – at least to me, I don't want to speak for Joe, but at least to me. Um, so I don't know. It, it It's kind of head scratching, right? Like what's the problem? One of the interesting things that Ford said was he alluded to the lack of presence of former players around the program, which I thought was very interesting. 
I mean, it's not like football where you have a ton of position coaches and guys that have come back and you got guys that have come up and they are, they're not necessarily big shooters at their positions, but they're, they're recognizable names for people that have followed the team along, but you've got a few assistants. I mean, you got Krabenhoff that's, that, 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 you know, that's been around. You had Tucker come through there, but other than that, you don't see a lot of guys that have well, come back. And, and it's not even so much, I don't think in the coaching area as like you hear these stories about North Carolina in these epic summer pickup games where, you know, back in the day, Jordan and worthy and Kenny Smith and Sam Perkins. And these guys would come back and play with the college kids. Or there's been instances like um, at, at some of the other schools, uh, Micah Potter was brought up in this. He allegedly said, that's what happens at Ohio state in the summer. Like, all the Ohio State dudes, like Mike Conley and Greg Oden, when he was still playing, like, those dudes were coming back and playing. Mm-hmm. They were around. You know, when um, when Marquette guys are in town, when Jay Crowder or Jimmy Butler or Wes Matthews or Novak or Dwayne Wade, when those guys were in town in Milwaukee for a game, they they would be at a Marquette game if they were home, or you'd see pictures online of them with the kids at the practice facility, interacting with them, whatever. You don't really see that with the Badgers. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, number one, they don't have a lot of guys in the NBA. No. And haven't. They've really had three over the last 30 years. It's Finley, Devin Harris, and Kaminsky. Um, you know, their other guys are maybe scattered around the world playing overseas, like Decker. I think he's been in Russia. So, you know, some of them can't be around. But, you know, Marquette has a team in the basketball tournament. They won it last year with Diener hit that shot at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Badgers don't have a team. Why not? Um, there's been a lot of rumor that one of the big reasons that Tyler Hero backed out of going to Wisconsin is because Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig were telling him, you don't want to fucking come here, kid. No way. I didn't know that. If Trev Anderson doesn't like what's going on there, two years ago when the Housers were in the transfer protocol, did those he, are like his best friends. Did he say... Did he tell them, you don't want to come here? So those are things, those are questions that I'm not sure we'll ever get the answer to. Interesting. But they're interesting to ponder. Yes. Um, You know, I think they need to change their philosophy. I think they need to change the way they play. Um, They are, it's not as bad as the early bow years, but they're still running the swing. They're still a slow team. Um, I think they need to modernize. I think they need to change some things up schematically um, to, well, to get a different kind of kid in here. Would that necessitate a new coach? Possibly. Can, can Gard it's, it's do very possible. that? Or is, is he this one-trick guy? That's what I've been doing with Bo. This is what I know how to do and do it well. It's very but possible. If, but if we don't want to do it, I'm not the guy for the job. It's very possible. And, you know, the, the, the cutting the cord from the Bo Ryan era might – be needed. Right. Um, the Badger football team tried it yes, with Gary Anderson, and it didn't work, but that's because the Badger football program wasn't interested in changing who they were. And they weren't having a problem succeeding. Correct. The Badger basketball program, since those final fours, I mean, you can talk about, well, they won the Big Ten last year. Yeah, well, they, they, yeah, but go back and look at that. Look at who they played, where they played, when they played them, who was hurt. Yeah, it's a little fluky. A little fluky. They were you they, can go on they a good overachieved. Run. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know. 
Um, to me, it just it goes back. I just don't know that I need my coach to be my buddy. I need my coach to respect me, um, be honest with me, but I don't need him to be my buddy. Um, I mean, I'm Coach Suter's my buddy, but that's because Coach Suter was like a he was like grandparent age when we were growing up. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, my college coach Pat Miller at Whitewater, we were close in age. We were only about. 12, 13-year difference in age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's probably, I, I because of the success that he's had since my group was there, I think he's probably a different coach than he was 20 years ago. Um, but I don't lay awake at night wishing that I could pick the phone up and call my old college coach buddy and shoot the breeze. You know, it seems to be now that kids require more of an emotional. Um, they, they they just require more and more emotional support. They're needy on top of the coaching X's and O's. Well, and in it's kind of a this this shit all rolls downhill, and and these guys all watch the NBA, and they saw all these guys, the Kyries that say, you know, I'm a person. I'm more than a basketball player. I'm a person. So all these college kids now are trying to have that same agency. And, you know, I think that so many of these kids, especially at the high major level, they come up and they're so coddled and they're getting all this free shit from their AAU team and they're running around and everybody's telling them how great they are. And, you know, even even locally here with, like, the Wisconsin Basketball Yearbook, every time there's a summer tournament now, there's somebody there and they're spitting out summer league stats and they're telling you who's recruiting them and they're this and they're that. And it's just constant back padding and, and you know, to these kids. And, you know, but it even starts before that. Because we're getting now to, and and I, I think we we see it with, from the parents in the stands on how they think and how good they believe their kids are, and they've you know they put their kids in youth basketball or baseball or football, and they say my kid's going to be awesome. I'm going to give them every opportunity, and they do. They spend money to make sure that their kid gets the opportunities to develop and be good. But then when they get to where things start to get a little serious in competition, where some of their future might be dependent on where they go or get noticed and how they perform, their expectations are a little misaligned with what's really going on in, and rooted in reality. But that doesn't stop them from still saying that and babying their kids and the kids that have gotten that sort of, uh, you know, emotional support from mom and dad and you're going to be awesome and you're going to go do this and it's going to be great. They don't get that from the coaches and then it's a problem. Well, and we we see it at the high school level with all of the sports that you cover. Um, it's always the coach's fault. Yes. You know, it's never a um, the kid comes home and he says – Oh, I only played four minutes tonight in the basketball game. That's bullshit. The parent goes, "Yeah, that's right. It's bullshit." Or they should I'm say, "I'm gonna fire off an email or, to the coach." Or they should say, "Well, why did you only play four minutes this in this game?" And the kid could say, "Well, I was late to practice." Well. I haven't been shooting very well lately. Well, I really didn't defend well the last couple of days, and I got demoted to the second team. Well, I got an F. Whatever it is, 
Nobody ever anymore, especially like people under 25 in, in any walk of life right now, nobody takes any personal responsibility about everything. It's constant finger pointing. And it's funny where Anderson, we'll just go back to this one more time, says that Greg Gard's always pointing the finger at them, but yet aren't you guys all pointing the finger at him? It's, didn't you guys call this meeting to basically say, we suck right now because you're a jerk. You're not nice enough to us. You don't care about us. Yeah, that's why we're bad. Has nothing to do with the fact that we're shooting 28% from three. We can't guard anybody. Davison's slower than he was three years ago. Uh, uh, Reavers is a head case, and Potter is only trying to show off for scouts. Like, take a little of your own personal agency here. Nobody does that anymore because nobody's held accountable because it's easier to just molly coddle and pacify people than it is to tell them no. See, we just needed to get you going a little bit. It's, it's that sad, was, that, man. That, that was actually perfect. It's sad. That was I, well I'm, put. I'm very glad. I thought about this after I read this. I was like, man, you know, I watch these games, the, especially like these high school games that we do, and I'm just going, oh, my God. It would be so easy to play right now. Because you think when you step on the the, court. The game itself is so much easier to play, especially for a small guard today than it was 20, 25 years ago. But then I sit back and I'm like, nah, man, I played at the right time. I played at the right time. I wouldn't want to play now. There's there's too much other bullshit you got to deal with. Um, it, It... I, I was in the right era. I'm 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 pleased with that. It would have been nice. Yeah, I would have scored more points now. You know, maybe got a little bit more shine in the paper, but I I, I just don't think it would be worth what you'd be giving up. Would you want to deal with all the other things instead of basketball that no. now are involved I mean, with this? I remember late in my college career there was a website called D three hoops. And it was that, yeah. it was one of the first like chat chat boards, chat rooms for like college basketball at the D three level. And like I remember sometimes we would go on there and like people were vicious. And that was twenty some years ago. That was like in the infancy. Like if you know, if you had, somebody had a bad game, you got these people that are supposed there's they're like sitting under the basket five feet from us, shaking our hands and patting us on the back one day, and then they're going on the Internet basically calling us pieces of shit the next if we have a bad game. <laughs> but multiply that by a 1,000 now. Right. Yep. Ratchet it up. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't It's not. I don't think that would happen really at the high school level. But once you get to college anymore, it's kind of fair game. So, I don't know, man. I, I think the Badgers got to look. They, they got some tough questions they got to answer here going yeah. forward. We'll see what happens with that. I mean, obviously. Better hope, like, freaking Johnny Davis doesn't just all of a sudden go, yeah, I'm in the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I would be curious to say to see what the guys that have just committed and finished their freshman years now and what Chucky Hepburn is thinking coming yeah, in. Does Tyler, like, does Tyler Wall have a problem with guard? Right. Does Does Johnny Davis? Now that all those guys leave and it's only Brad Davison and then they start practice and these guys, you know, some of the reporters bring up the tape and they say, so what do you think? And the guys are like, I don't know what the hell they're talking yeah. about. Could have just been a sour grapes group. Right. Who, who was in the throes of... You know, not playing very well and not performing very well, and this is how we're going to try and address that yeah. by 
saying we're not feeling the love. And look, everybody knows my affinity for Marquette and my dislike for the Badger basketball program, but I like guard. I'm not, I don't like when people that I think are good people get dragged like this. I, it's it's too bad. All right, that's a good spot to end it. Um, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing the Intentional Follow. We always ask that you please help spread the word and tell your friends about us. So Dan's going to get ready and get pre-gaming. We got, what, about an hour and a half? Yep. Hour and a half till tip-off as we uh, wrap this up. Eastern Conference Finals Game 1, and uh, we will do it again for you hopefully next week since baseball's done. Schedule frees up uh, a little bit more. So uh, until then, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And we will talk to you next time. And, of course, fear the deer, baby.